A seemingly friendly farmer and his sister kidnap unsuspecting travelers and bury them alive, using them to create the special meat they are famous for. On its 42nd anniversary, we watched Motel Hell. They say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I'm the number one fan. We all go a little mad sometimes. God, it knows I'm here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. First, I want to ask you to hit that subscribe button or the follow button, depending on which platform you're listening, viewing on. Turn on those notifications, too. Second, if you've enjoyed the show up to this point, we'd appreciate a thumbs up or a rating on your podcast app. Today's guest, host of the Middle Class Film Class, much like myself, a movie critic who likes to have fun doing it. Thank you for joining me, Pete Abeda. Abeda, did I say that right? Oh, yeah, you nailed it. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? Let's end this thing because it's going to get no better than that. I thought it was right. I try to. Uh, it's, it's important to me to get names right. Sure. It's, like, been, okay. it's been butchered throughout my whole life. But, you know, when you look at Not it. Not today. Alpha, not beta, today. beta fish, whatever you want, what do you want to say. <laughs> well, you are not a beta fish. You're an alpha fish, and that's why you're here. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I'm a sigma fish, I think. I don't know what that I don't know if that's better or worse than alpha because I'm, I'm well, not a gen different. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm down with it. But before we get into this absolutely absurd film. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what it is. But we're not going to sugarcoat this. Um, go ahead and tell everybody about your own show, Middle Class Film Class. Okay, so um, so the show, Middle Class Film Class, it's a, it's a, a bi-weekly podcast, um, twice a week. Not one, not once every other week, but twice a week. And uh, it's hosted by myself, Joseph, and Tyler. There's, the three of us are good friends in real life, and we found ourselves talking about movies quite a bit. And um, Tyler just said, hey, we should just make a podcast. My mom's got a podcast. Why can't we have a podcast? <laughs> so... <laughs> Tyler's yeah. mom. Tyler's mom's got a podcast with his, her sister, and it's uh, it's it's great. But um, so um, what we do is um, every Monday we have a news and discussion show and recommendations, which is called Gab and Chatter, and it's weekly news. It's fun stories and weird stuff and upcoming movies we're excited about. Um, just discussion, and at the end of that episode, we do give um, streaming picks for the movies that we watched this week that are streaming for free. And then on Wednesdays we do one deep dive review into a movie that we chose one of the three of us or one of our fans chose. And it's all randomized by spinning wheel of destiny. Um, very fun, <clears throat> very, and we interact with our listeners a lot. Um, so I know that there's about a hundred thousand options for movie podcasts out there. What makes us a little different is that we record everything live to tape as if it's like a radio, like a morning show. So all the sounds are added in live, all the music intros and segment bumpers and things like that are all done live. Um, right here in the studio so it's uh, very fun 
This sounds fun. What what's something that you've reviewed lately? Um, oh gosh, that's a good one. We'd had um we did the Predator, the Predator, the original Predator movie, and Joseph happened to be um celebrating his wedding anniversary that weekend, so my fiance, my girlfriend, she she stepped in and was our third host, our, our guest host, and she gave a very feminine um approach to a movie that probably would be benefit from getting that. <laughs> but we've done everything from like ridiculously hard to watch movies like come and see one of the most brutal war movies of all time to MacGruber and American psycho and hereditary um, really everything in between. We've done the entire Godfather trilogy. And right now this week just released um, the first of the before trilogy, Richard uh, Linklater's before trilogy before sunrise and first watch for all three of us. Very, very interesting movie, very good movie. And we're going to do the whole entire trilogy as it lands on the wheel. I'm curious to know the uh, fiance's take on uh, the predator. Um, she um, just, just so I'm on this. I want to make sure. Uh, am I allowed to swear on this? On this? Oh, please do. I'm. I'm yeah. I, I used to be in the navy, so you know the the phrase "curse like a sailor." Sure, I was absolutely. actually a sailor, so <laughs> let it fucking fly, man. Well, I, I run a body shop, so there's a lot of cussing at the at, at the body shop. So. Uh, so she was playing while she was watching the movie. She was playing "Fuck Mary Kill" with the Predator, with the ca- different course. characters, and her she landed on "Fuck the Predator," "Marry the Predator," "Kill the Predator," all three of the Predator <laughs> in different states of the movie. Um, but she says she says she liked it, but I think she preferred "Prey," the most recent release that came to Hulu, just because <clears throat> there's a little bit more for uh, connection there. She's uh, not oh, very sure. sympathetic with five beefcakes in the jungle trying to kill an alien oh sure i mean listen that that scene with arnold and carl weathers where they throw their hands together and those biceps are just fucking pumping yeah you know veins are popping and like i i get a little bricked up at times you know (laughs) i am right now (laughs) right now i mean shift to the side because we've got a completely different movie to talk about in a few minutes but the predator's one of those all-time greats man i don't really expect other than maybe the eye candy that you might want to look at uh, Mm -hmm. the the predator was just not geared toward the uh the the female viewer it was an adrenaline testosterone filled film with some of the the biggest names in their respective genres of course you had like bill duke but man arnold is arnold you Uh had apollo creed you had jesse the body ventura yep you had uh the guy from 48 hours uh billy bear yeah i can never remember his name in black as well which who was at the time just a writer but they stuck him in there I, I have to ask, you're a big car guy, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you just said that you have a, a mm-hmm. body shop and that it should go without saying. Yep. Um, and I don't want to get into um, this film before it's time to get into it. Motel but yeah. I know the rides in Motel Hell, they didn't go over your head. You saw the classic rides in this film. Mm-hmm. What th- What'd you think about them? Well, the the truck that the the farmer, what's his name? My uh, Farmer Vincent, yeah, 1953 Chevy pickup, uh, rounded corner, like five window cab, very, very solid. My dad had one of those when I was, before I was born and sold it to help buy the house that I was raised in. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of, a lot of good ones in there. I think that one stuck out as the, the best, but I, I did like the cornet, the blue cornet where they, they ran up on the, on the lover's lane or whatever, the blue four door. I'm a right. for four doors. <clears throat> you got, got a- that Chevy van that was mm-hmm. just. 
Excellent. Ivan and the Terribles. Great name. <laughs> that was the, the best. And, you know, we'll talk about the, the members of that band in a little bit. But, gosh, man, I, I looked at this and I said, I've I've seen this film probably, I don't know, five times. Okay. Um, over Not because I keep going back because I like it. Sure. It's definitely not that. It's more like, uh, for whatever reason, I'm stuck reviewing it with somebody. And we had to do it on its anniversary. You got it. And and it's 42 years old. It's not, you know, anything to sniff at. And it is a fun film. Sure. Okay? Good time. In, in all of its absurdities. Um, I just don't recommend anybody watch it twice. <laughs> well, this is my first watch, so you I'll never shan't ever again in your recommendation. <laughs> Won't can't shan't. Yeah. So what do you say we go ahead and get into this film? And uh, folks, just, you know, on October 24th in 1980, a film was released in the vein of Deliverance and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with maybe just a dash of Soylent Green, maybe just a dash. In fact, Toby Hooper, the uh, director of Texas Chainsaw, was on board to direct this film. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it fell apart. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the script. And maybe the production company that maybe Hooper was attached to. Um, but that film was Motel Hell. Pete, should we go ahead and check out this trailer? Let's do it. Man. I mean, we are fully aware that this thing's a pile of shit. But this trailer, <laughs> I absolutely love. Look at just the, the dark, scary, ominous music. Oh, there's Ivan. You know, I got, I got definitely got some psycho vibes from this, too. Right though, there's the pond where they dump all the all the cars, and I love the fact that you know th this thing hasn't been updated. There, there's no remastering. It, yeah, we're almost watching it here in, I guess, in the format that you would have seen it in a drive-in theater. The first thing I saw from Tubi looks markedly sharper than this trailer, but I love I love the grit of the trailer. Yeah, the grit, the uh, the darkness here it doesn't look at all like a dark comedy. And that's what I like about the trailer, because at this time, um, you know, it, it's short. OK, this is not a full length trailer, but it gives away very little. And this is my favorite part right here. <laughs> slow mo. No! I love the slow mo. That that reminded me of the, the the kills. A lot of the kills in Friday the Thirteenth, the original Friday the Thirteenth, that also came out in 1980. Oh wow! With this trailer it gives it gives away very little, and I'm I don't get wound up about trailers, but the people who listen to this show have heard me bitch about the the spoilers that were given away in Godzilla versus Kong. Mm -hmm. um, they they never should have you know said anything about Mecha Godzilla. It could have been a big surprise. Oh, that was in the trailer. It was right there in the trailer. If you're watching for it, and I mean, I guess partially it's my fault because maybe I watched the trailer a few hundred times and tried to pause it with every new frame to see what was going on. But Don't torture yourself, man. Go in blind. Oh, yeah, I want to go in blind, but there are times when, you know, we preview films on this podcast, which mm. <laughs> that was not one of them. So it was on me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm pausing the frame and I see the uh, the, the kid, uh, the, the son of uh, Dr. Shirozawa 
and behind him is the screen it's like illuminated and you see these legs and it says charging and i'm like what the hell could they be charging oh my god is mecha godzilla and then there's a scene where he kind of comes out of the um <clears throat> it's like a a dusty debris cloud mm. and you just see the face with the glowing eyes just running through it and it's like okay that's that's mecca yeah could have been a surprise you didn't have to put that in the trailer we were already on board with you know the epic battle between the two kaiju but you know when mecca, when mecca godzilla popped out i about shit my pants i was so excited when that came out because I, I didn't see the trailer i don't watch trailers see that is the that, that's what i was going for like I, that's what i was hoping for yeah um, th- there was no talk of any other kaiju that was going to be in the film. You know, they always try to surprise you. Mm. I don't remember if they did that with King of the Monsters. Um, didn't catch I, that. I, didn't catch that one. I it's on my Shin Godzilla and King of Monsters are um, are high on my list to watch. So, man, hit me back when you see uh, when you see Shin. Is that good? I, I absolutely love Shin. <laughs> A lot of purists didn't like it that much. Uh, but I do think it was one of the best films of Godzilla. It rivals any of the the, the new ones. Uh, have you have you seen? Um, uh, it's not quite this, but if you're a kaiju fan, which I, I enjoy, my enjoy my kaiju movies. Um, we did a, a movie on the show on uh, the podcast, which was uh, Colossal. It was um, uh, Anne Hathaway and, and Jason Sudeikis that is basically based around the idea that a human is controlling a kaiju and doesn't know it. And it's really cool. It's done. See, okay. Had that been listed as like a, a monster horror, maybe I would have seen it. I've not seen that. I guess that's on my list now. Very, yeah, very little of the actual like monster stuff. It's more about like a human drama, but there's it's it, 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 it makes no sense. It doesn't really explain it, but it's the guy that directed, uh, wrote and directed Time Crimes, also wrote and directed Colossal. And it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun movie. But um, the actual kaiju movie that I would recommend that you should see is uh, it's called Hell from Beyond the Fog. And it's streaming on Prime. It's also streaming on Tubi. And it's a short. It's only, I want to say, 11 minutes or something like that long. Um, and it's it's a puppet-based. It's all puppets. Little hand-carved human puppets and then a giant uh, kaiju puppet. And it's all done with uh, a voiceover, but no actual humans on screen. It's very, very fun. Fuck. That sounds like something I I've need like, right now I've my seen life. like three times. The sound that the creature makes is very cool. And you're like, oh, shit, someone made this. And then... If you almost all the versions that you find of it, you'll find it's like a 15 minute or maybe 20 minutes or something. I can't remember exactly how long. It's very short, short. And then it goes into the creation of the whole thing. So it's like an hour long uh, file. So if you pull it up, you're like, this is not the right one. It's an hour and 10 minutes long. It's that's the right one. It shows you all the behind the scenes afterwards. Okay, I dig that. And lately I've gotten into shorts a whole lot more. And I think people, you know, there's this weird dynamic with film goers now okay i remember when uh i believe it was the irishman dropped people complained about how it was like three hours long it's like how do you sit through this and i started thinking to myself like well of course you're going to complain about this because today's generation i'm not to be a you know old man shaking my fist at the sky (laughs) but but that's what happens you know you got the younger crowd who can't sit still for more than uh, a few minutes without their little short form videos uh, to look at on YouTube or Vimeo or however they're consuming TikTok, you know, is you know, the, the big new one, but to expect like 
younger fans to be able to sit and watch a full length film is a big ask. Even on Halloween ends that I saw this past weekend, I saw people scrolling through their Instagrams in front of me, like multiple times during the film. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself back in the day, this wouldn't have been even an issue if, even if we had Instagram, Sure, but, but my, my thought here is more big time directors should be doing short films. Mm -hmm. And some of the films that I've looked at that I've really liked were, well, some were made by some friends. Uh, Ben Chassel had one called remission that he shared with me before he came onto the show. And I started looking around and I said, man, I really think short films could be the next thing that I get into. Mm -hmm. So I started, uh, I started digging around to uh, some other directors there was a, a friend of mine named Patrick Ray who came onto the onto the show who did a film called They Wait in the Dark. His short film that had won some awards at some festivals was called It's Hell Getting Old. It's basically four senior citizens in uh, an elevator. They're stuck in the elevator and one of them starts to go into maybe some sort of transformation. And that's Ooh, really all I can cool. say because I mean, yeah. hey, it's a it's a short film. How much can I really tell you without spoiling sure. the whole thing, right? But my favorite that I have seen lately, you may have seen a film come out um, out of Spain called Piggy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Piggy is a long form from a short film that dropped a few years ago called Cerdita. And Cerdita is basically Piggy yeah. in Spanish. Uh, same actress, same main actress. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and it, it almost does that thing that When a Stranger Calls did. Uh -huh. And the original When a Stranger Calls, the best part of the film, not going to say the second part of the film was bad, but the best part of the film was that opening sequence that I guess could be considered a cold open. It was just a little <clears> bit longer than a cold open where the stalker is calling the, the the house and the girl is answering and then it culminates with uh we've traced the call the oh, call's coming from inside the house yeah. she goes to the door opens the door and there's the detective right um well <clears throat> this one basically the the short ends where the cold open ends in the mm, film that's cool yeah, and then there's a whole other story past that. Do they, reshoot, I, do they reshoot Piggy for uh, like the, the short, or do they just use the short? They did. They reshot it. Uh, oh, cool. The the bullies that you know that caught up to her were different. Mm -hmm. um, all the actors were different. The only one that I can that I recognized because again, this is a Spanish cast that I'm maybe not as familiar with. Sure, but um, the the lead actress was the same. And everybody else was different. So they reshot it. Um, the The lead actress had gone through a, a few uh, few changes. I think between then and now, she might have had a baby. Mm -hmm. So uh, she's a little bit fluffier than before. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a mom now and doing her thing. It's not, but not that was, that, yeah, that was like the whole, uh, the whole premise of the film though. Like yeah. just the, the torment that she has to go through. And what she has to accept, maybe something that she wouldn't have accepted had some bad things not happened to her bullies. Sure. So great film. And then the last one, uh, this coming Friday, 
I'm going to be having, uh, thankfully, Karen Lamb, who directed the newest Bring It On film. Oh, yeah, I've uh, heard the name. Yeah, so Bring It On, uh, it's seventh, sixth oh, or seventh wow. installment. Wow, <laughs> I had is, no idea. Yeah, there, there are a lot of them, but this one is now a horror flick, a slasher All right. So they have completely changed the direction. I want to get to the bottom of that, see why they did that. But she, her first directorial film was called, oh, it was a short as well, called The Cabinet. And uh, I can't really say anything about that one without giving too much away. But a, a, either a husband and a wife or a boyfriend, girlfriend show up to, it looks like a, a home on the road. And the, the boyfriend goes away on business. And the girlfriend starts digging around the, the, the apartment and she runs into some shit mm. and turned out to be great. So like those films, I don't think I've seen a short film this year. And here we are in October, late October. And I haven't seen a bad one. Mm. It makes me think I've been missing out on a whole lot. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because short films are how Hollywood executives like basically put faith in a filmmaker they're like well if you can do this on a really small budget we're going to give you a big budget and we'll just take this five minute short add eight more scenes very similar to that with the same tone fill it with a bunch of exposition rewrite the script you know fill the script out let it live a little bit in that world and then there's, there's your feature um there's a filmmaker who's made a bunch of really good movies uh, he's three for three right now in my opinion his name's uh, jim cummings and he did Thunder Road, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, and The Beta Test. And the Thunder Road was a short that he made. I think it was at is it, was it either at TIFF or Con or, or one of those big, really big name film festivals. And it won some main award, a very big award. And the whole the whole short was one scene from Thunder Road, the movie. When they made the movie, they took the short, and the short was. <clears throat> It was one scene. It was he was playing a police officer in full um, full dress, you know, the, the dress blues at his mother's funeral, giving a eulogy for his mother, who he has a very troubled past with. And so he's angry and he's sad and he's crying. And his his tribute is he's going to sing Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen with, with a boombox playing. And the boombox is malfunctioning while he's doing it. And he's dancing and singing and crying all at the same time. And it's so good. And that's just one scene in the Thunder Road movie, and they just blew the universe up into something bigger. And he has another long form like monologue in that same movie, but that's kind of his thing. And he's a big champion of shorts. He's like, "Yeah, get out there, make a short. If you go see this movie and blah 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 blah, and you take a picture here, I'll watch your short. I'll give a review on Twitter." And it's like that's how that's how studios find good filmmakers. But I think that's how like us, like us movie lovers, should find uh, you know filmmakers as well you're like oh this this short is really cool oh this person's making a movie that's not based off that short but something different i'm gonna follow them because i really love that let's see what they do with 90 minutes you know well there are only so many minutes of the day you yeah. know and if you if you can consume um five shorts in the time that you would consume one film mm -hmm. one feature film then you've gotten through a lot of different talent mm -hmm. and if if you're more I guess, worried about directorial work, maybe writing, then shorts is the way to go. That's how you're going to learn what a director is about. And honestly, I was, I was talking to, um, might've been Michael Stein. He was, uh, 
the original Dirk Diggler. Yeah, he like was uh, in, in, he was in the short film that became Boogie Nights. It was called uh, the I think the uh, the Dirk Diggler story, hmm. and he played that role. He actually he had a cameo of of sorts in uh, the feature length. Oh, cool. uh, he was the guy buying the buying the eight track. Oh, the from, stereo the stuff, from Don Cheadle. The, yeah, from Don Cheadle. Yeah, he's the guy buying from him. Okay. I, I can I can still see Cheadle, you know, with that cup of coffee, just you know, moving those hips. Yeah. But uh, he, that was him in the scene, and he said that, um, like horror and shorts, or ra- rather, cold opens, go hand in hand. Yeah. And it, it, hell, it might not have you been Michael that said that, but um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Don Cheadle for a bit. Sure. Um, but but horror and cold opens do go hand in hand. In fact, a lot of times that is the hook. Mm-hmm. You by the end of that ten minute, five minute cold open, you know what to be afraid of, what is going to happen at the end because you've already seen the end for somebody else, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's basically your introduction. To this film and i prefer a film with a cold open even though um some of the best didn't have them but a cold open is is really the way to go and i feel like if i can't watch your cold open like it's a short film i don't fucking want it <laughs> that's funny i mean that's not 100 percent, but you know yeah it's, a good good it's that's a good rule of thumb. yeah there you go it's, it's it's a rule of thumb um but motel hell Let's look at some of the taglines, see what we think about. <laughs> uh, you might just die laughing. Is that what you want to hear going into a horror film? Oh, you might just funny. die laughing. Yeah, I, I wish there was a little bit more yucks in there for a horror comedy. There was like, some parts that when the sheriff really, his character really kicked in. I was like, okay, this guy's good. He's got good comedic timing. When he runs in, when he catches the sister reading the same smut magazine he was reading, he goes, ah. I can't believe you. You two, both of you, are sick. And it just moves on. <laughs> like, good no, time. goddamn well, he was he yeah. got caught by Wolfman Jack. Yeah. But, you know, that is the, uh, the, the funny thing about that tagline is it was United Artists who ultimately produces film or uh, releases film. And they wanted to get away from the dark comedy aspect of this film. Mm. But you might just die laughing was on the majority of the posters. <laughs> Interesting. Wild shit. Checking in is easy. Checking out is hell. I like oh, that one. Not bad. Yeah, that, yeah that's what I want to hear from that that deep voice narrator. That Checking one goes down smooth. Oh, yeah, real smooth. And then <laughs> finally, by day, they ran a motel. By night, they ran a muck. That's <laughs> goofy. I, I can live with it. I can <laughs> live with it. But this thing was made on a $3 million budget. Are you and kidding me? I kid you not. Peter. Wow. It does not it look gross- like it. <laughs> no, not at all. It, it grossed about six million, actually over six million. Oh, wow. So you double up your money. You, you bet on a football team. If you can double up your money. Yeah. Any venture, double up sure. is good. And they doubled up and then some. But yeah, it didn't feel like a lot, you know, considering that some of the films I mentioned, um, you know, the Friday the 13th, The Shinings, um, what else came out in eighty? Uh, Cannibal Holocaust, which Oof. was you know ugly, but uh-huh. um, the the Changeling with um, uh, George C. Scott. I mean, uh, these films all came out in 1980, so that's your pool of films to compare to. Um, the Shining, huge budget, but 
Friday the 13th didn't even it didn't even take 600,000 to make that film. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that that's quite an, uh quite a multiplier. I was gonna say, I feel like that looks that movie looks a lot better than this movie for three million. Yeah, it does, and it the money that it made uh, rivaled The Shining. It was only about seven million dollars difference uh, in theaters between The Shining and Friday the Thirteenth. Wow, wow, that's a trip. Yeah, so, right, so the The Shining was working with a nineteen million dollar budget, it grossed over forty seven million, mm. um, but a film of probably you know, similar cinematography to uh, motel hell was Friday the 13th. It was really close, um, but it was budgeted at around half a million mm. and it grossed just under 40 million. So what the fuck in motel hell cost him three goddamn million dollars. must've been those sweet rides. I was going to say, I was saying probably cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Fair, cocaine <laughs> budget on that set. <laughs> yeah. I, they, they were going harder than cocaine, man. They were, they were tripping balls on something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but Kevin Connor, I, I don't know if you know Kevin Connor. He directed this film and like he can get a film done with a very small budget. He did. Uh, what was it? Uh, not tales from the grave beyond the grave is what he did. And it was his horror debut. He'd done other things, but it was his first horror debut. Um, actually, no, that may have been his first break as a director. Can't think of anything earlier, but he did that one with Peter Cushing Okay. Donald Pleasance, Diana Doors, who was like a, a, a British version of Marilyn Monroe. And I'm not embellishing that. Um, she may not have been on the worldwide scale that Marilyn Monroe was, but Diana Doors was like a fucking hammer. Okay. Mm. She was a blonde bombshell type. So, yeah, I know a $3 million budget doesn't sound very high, but considering what we saw in the film, I, was gonna say, I it's don't know. pretty high for the result. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but you know, it was written by the, uh, the Jaff brothers. Um, but nobody wanted to buy the screenplay. Nobody mm. wanted it. It was written. It was ready to shoot and nobody wanted it. Uh, U- universal was going to run with it. Okay. And you know, universal run with just about anything. Sure. And, and that would have kept Toby Hooper on board. Like I said, but that fell apart. United artists ended up doing it. Thus the clusterfuck that we got. Mm-hmm. And it's not like either Jaff brothers known for his writing anyway. Okay. Stephen Charles Jaff, he produced uh K-19, uh, the Widowmaker, the Harrison mm-hmm. Ford uh, sub flick and, and ghost Swayze and Demi Moore. Oh, that's interesting. You know, Molly, you and danger girl. And other than that, uh, probably the worst of the star Trek flicks, part six. Mm-hmm. I can't say that for sure. I'm not a Trekkie. Yeah. So, me either. I haven't probably going to be somebody thinking like, Oh no, there's plenty worse than that. I haven't seen a single star Trek movie that wasn't uh, the new from the new JJ Abrams ones on Chris, Chris Pine (laughs) and all those guys. I didn't see any. I've watched a lot of the old, like the next generation series, but the movies I was like, "Ah, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it never, it's hokey. Yeah. It feels hokey. Yeah. I have a hokey. Yeah. Part of me wants to watch it because of the hokiness. Sure. Sure. And the confession I have is that like, there's a lot of movies that I'll watch where I'm like, okay, this is this is a groundbreaking movie. This set the stage for everything else moving forward. And I'll watch it in in hoping for some reverence to that. And I just watch it. I'm like, eh, it's just it's just kind of a boring movie. It's just not that good, you know? So like I, I like that you said reverence because part of me wants to go back and look at a lot of films that 
are kind of those rites of passage. And if I'm going to ever call myself a sci-fi fan, and I'm not ever going to call myself that, um, I may like some <laughs> sci-fi films, but I'll never be known as a sci-fi guy. Okay. I still need to go back and and watch some some old school Shatner and what made him. Sure. Listen, you, you people in Hollywood don't come up with impressions for nobodies. Okay, <laughs> Jamie Foxx isn't out doing impressions of, of Billy Graves, mm-hmm. but everybody's got a William Shatner. Yeah, that's true. Okay, and in maybe order for it's, maybe because it's easy to do, but I get you. <laughs> is it? There's, There's the wing. Something, Something. <laughs> like you just have to talk like that. It's all, it's harder to impersonate Walken. He has a very specific cadence too, but no one can seem to nail it quite right. Unless you're like, oh, I can't nail Walken. I can't. I can't uh, there was a radio show, and I do not remember the comedian that was talking about it. Uh, but it may have been Kevin Pollock. Because it's probably he's Kevin Pollock. He's the master. Yeah. Oh, he's the master of so many obscure ones too, not just Walker and Shatner. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, he. The bit was basically he never stays on topic. Mm-hmm. You ask him a question and he doesn't stay on topic. Mm-hmm. So the question could have been, so what was it like working with Dwayne the Rock Johnson on the rundown? And his answer is, you know, Frankenstein never scared me. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a follow-up question. He said, but marsupials do because they're fast. Because they're fast. And they should because be. they're fast. Yeah, Man, that, Pollock I, is so good, though. I think Pollock is the one who says uh, the key to a walk, a, the first step to a walking impression is to take a one syllable word and make it into two syllables. Like, no, <laughs> that's that's it. No, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, cool. God, just doing it myself put it into perspective <laughs> for me. God, um, no, yeah, Talk no, I all wrong. I, uh, God I, damn it. I think one of the problems with this, like, so I've never, I've, I've seen the poster for Motel Hell, but I've never seen the movie. And it was like the, I think the iconic shot is the pig head with the chainsaw, right? Oh, that's the one, man. That's the one, right? The whole movie, I was waiting for it to happen. And I was like, come on, man, more pig head, more chainsaw. It it made a cover of uh, Fangoria. This is not the one though. Um, This is the new one with Jamie Lee and Michael Myers. And Corey, Corey Cunningham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do I, yeah, no, I, I don't know if that was the one. Um, looks like the right hand's intact, but the left hand is the one that was fucked up, right? I missed the fingers. I don't know. I it's the I'm since we're on the topic of Hollywood ends. I'm really loving the extreme directions that everyone's going with their takes on it because <laughs> I had a good time with it, and I have some following. Like one of our, our one of the three of us uh, on the show, Tyler, he has Michael Myers' face tattooed on his arm, and he's a big fan of the franchise he loves the series i think season of the witch is probably is halloween one and then season of the witches are his two favorites so you would think liking season of the witch you would be a big fan of this one because this is way out in left field and he hated he hated it he could not stop disparaging it and i thought it was a really fun time and took some interesting risks and it was more like a collection of uh homages to other um horror slashers and I don't know. I liked it. I, I actually wish they would have gone further. I wish they would have just kind of let Corey run with it a little while. And he's, he picks up the knife and he's, he's the legacy. Now it's not Michael Myers. Now it's Corey Cunningham. You know, I'm a big fan of alliteration. Yeah. Okay. And if, if you can give me a mass killer with alliteration initials, <laughs> alliterated initials, yep. I'm down with it. I'm with you. 
I enjoyed the film. I did not enjoy the film as much the first time I watched. Um, being an impatient guy, and I've already told you my thing on trailers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I told you, you know I'm impatient. So the two nights before I, you know, I had tickets for, you know, me and, and my kids. We were going to go watch it. Regal Cinemas, you know, get to recline in the seats and oh, have baby. popcorn or drinks. It, man, it, it's yeah. wonderful. But there I am, 3 a.m., watching it on Peacock. Thursday night. Myself. Yeah, Thursday night or Friday morning, however you want to yeah. classify that. <laughs> it's not Friday until I've slept. Sure, so yeah. it didn't become Friday until like 6 a.m. So I watched the film and I'm like, okay. I went into this with an open mind. Uh, tried not to set myself up. What people people have issues writing things in their heads. Yeah. And when it doesn't come out the way it was written in your head, it's just a bad movie. But I don't know who needs to hear it, listeners. Okay. Mm. Hear me, hear me very clearly. Something that happens in a story, whether it be a character dying, some lines not being the way that you thought they should be delivered. That does not make a film bad. That just makes it mean that it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. Yeah, your expectations were not met. Expectation is the root of all heartache, Pete. (laughs) It is the absolute root of all heartache. And I think that's where a lot of the heartache comes from. Expectation. They said very clearly that this film was going to be different. And I don't know what kind of parallels that we can draw between 2018 and what it compares to uh, kills and what it compares to, and then ends what it compares to. I know there was a big homage to Christine. Yeah. Another, you know, so, I mean, that was great. I thought that was fine. I thought it was different enough that I don't have to feel like I'm watching Christine hmm. and, you know, I, I can leave it at that, but I had a very good time watching the film. I'm very happy with the ending. And, um, yeah, I'm actually going to be reviewing it with a good friend of mine named uh, Colby Peterson uh, here in maybe a week or so. But I'm happy with it. A lot of people are not happy with it. It is even more split than Halloween Kills. And Halloween Kills had – there were some very opinionated people yeah. talking about – things not being necessary like the uh, the hospital scene which i felt like was very necessary mm. and well i love kills first of all okay. um i thought some of the scenes in there were really strong uh the the post beatdown scene very strong to me mm. um the transcendence into evil versus the supernatural powers that everybody seemed to want michael to have um, learned from a very young age that pain threshold goes up when you're nuts and he's absolutely nuts. <laughs> so, but the hospital scene is where people seem to be divided. Like people mm-hmm. felt really bad about the guy getting basically pushed into suicide. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. But what that scene does is it paints a portrait of society as it is right now that we're living in. You can take those evil dies tonight chants mm-hmm. and equate them to the MAGAs and the BLMs of the world mm-hmm. who, and I'm talking about like, not the message. Everybody wants to make America great, right? Mm-hmm. You and I want to make America great. Everybody thinks, or people that have any fucking sense about them believe that black lives do matter. Mm-hmm. However, you take those organizations 
where there's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, corruption. Mm-hmm. Take those organizations where there's corruption and they have their, their, their taglines, they have their chants, their war cries. Um, and, and that is what people are focusing on with Halloween kills. Evil dies tonight equals MAGA equals BLM to these organizations. And one side hates the other <clears throat> and neither one can be re- uh, reasoned with when they get in their political arguments nobody listens to any type of logic. One person says, go, we go. And once we get moving, it's like a freight train. You just can't stop it. And it's that's like where, it's like where we go on, we go all right. That is a fact. <laughs> that's it, like a Q got, thing, isn't it? QAnon. That's one of their like I, slogans. I watched a couple documentaries about QAnon because it blows my mind. That people believe it that is, shit. It is, it, it is very mind blowing. It's and, crazy, yeah. But it's groupthink, and that's what it turns mm. into with "Evil Dies Tonight." Groupthink. Mm. Um, mm. The the lady that was the nurse, I, I always space on her name. I know everybody else's name, but the the lady that was driving at the beginning of Halloween with Donald Pleasance, uh, okay. the one that escaped his, uh, you know, his, his attack, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, she coined the phrase. Tommy Doyle ran with it and then the mob, um, it just engulfed them and it got so bad that they basically with their, uh, with their pressure, pushed this guy out of a, who knows how many story window and cracks his head open. I love how they're like, that's Michael Myers, that five foot five dumpy guy in a, in a (laughs) nurse's garb, you know, he's, He's in hospital. That, that loves his classic hospital. rock. <laughs> I know. That's him. He's the guy. He's the one who's been terrorizing us for 40 years. Well, here's the thing, though. The the, the couple that was that was dressed as uh, the, the medical people that were in the club, right? She, she says, I saw him. That's him. But once, once they got separated and she saw that Michael wasn't the guy that she saw in front of her car and she gets man or she gets shot in the face by her own gun outside of the vehicle. She can clearly see this big motherfucker. Yeah. is not that little dumpy guy that she saw at her in her car, Mm -hmm. but you can make it all kind of line up. And that's, that's the job that it does. And I feel like kills was a very different film from 2018 and ends was a very different film from kills it's it almost feels different. like the trilogy is not a trilogy but an, an, an anthology you know like it's like it does feel like that there's you know, it's totally 18 different and kills though are back to back and so different mm-hmm. you're right you're 1000 percent right which is kind of interesting because the original halloween series the way that john carpenter was going to produce or like bring bring it to us was going to be an anthology and he didn't want Michael Myers in any of the sequels. He was, it was just going to be a different version of, I don't know if it was all supposed to be set in Haddonfield or Haddonville or whatever it's called, um, or what the through line was, but like Halloween two, he wasn't, Michael Myers wasn't written to be in it. And the studio was like, hell no, we got to get that big, the shape in there. That's why the third one didn't have Michael Myers and people revolted at the time, but now people seem to like it. And I I think that's going to happen with Halloween ends. I think down the road, people are going to be like, okay, I saw that they were doing, I see you, you know, real recognized, real. That was pretty solid. Although it really pissed me off, you know, when I was, I was looking for a a satisfying 
conclusion to my trilogy, which I was promised through advertisements and trailers, and I got none of those. Yeah, so the trailers were one of those things where it doesn't matter if you saw the trailers. Yeah. Because you didn't see anything really that was going to be in the film. Not much anyway. You saw a few screams. You saw... um, Lori staring out a window probably. Exactly. I didn't didn't see it, but I'm just so... But that's another one of those things where they're split on because if a trailer gives away too much, it's like, oh gosh, they gave away the entire thing. Yeah. And if it doesn't show anything, but basically a glorified teaser, you had the people complaining that, oh, well, the, the whole trailer set up expectations they didn't deliver. Now, there is one complaint, though, that I think has a little bit of credence. Okay. And it was the extended ending of Kills. Uh, Lori calls her daughter. Mm um karen and karen doesn't pick up but michael picks up and he's breathing into the phone and Lori's final words are i'm coming for you michael Mm. and she walks down the hallway with a knife to me that says hey the beginning of this next one is going to be a big fight and you're going to see like something where she's stalking him Mm -hmm. we didn't get any of that but i'm still okay with it because sure. I saw what they I saw what they were doing. I thought there was a lot of, I, I guess, a little bit more of an allegory mm-hmm. than what we've gotten from the actual literal terror. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with it. I like it, and n- there's no social uh, social messages and ends that I can think of. Um, I think the only thing that really stuck out to me is some some like a takeaway message that you could get from it is that um, there are multiple ways to cope with trauma. And you have the granddaughter of Lori who has been through some shit and is marked in her community. People know her the second they see her, they know her and they feel like they know who she is truly, which is the same for Corey. And that's why they have this instantaneous bond. This does not seem to be earned romance that they have together, probably just because they're shared. They have shared trauma of different sorts and she goes one path with it and he goes a very, very different path with it. And it's almost like a person can only be pushed so far and you can only have so much trauma in your life before maybe they're going to snap. I don't know if that really teaches us anything or, you know, or better for it or whatever, but maybe it's just like, yeah, yeah, maybe don't bully people. You don't know what they're going through because you, maybe you know, they're going to be the next shape. <laughs> I'm glad you said that it's not uh, an earned romance. Mm-hmm. because one of the big issues is or not big issues for me but one of the bigger complaints i've seen is like why are Corey and allison um so smitten after like 24 hours of knowing each other yeah 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 Listen, i think it's just of, i think it's just that it's like it's like oh it oh you're into Yu-Gi-Oh too oh me too no one in this town is into Yu-Gi-Oh. we should be best friends now Oh, you've also been terrorized in this entire town because you killed somebody. Oh, well, let me do something similar. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like, I I think we're going to be good friends, though, Pete, because we share a trauma and that is have watched have watched Motel Hell. Oh, boy. And (laughs) yeah. And real quick, Rory Calhoun is a guy that plays in this one. He plays Vincent, former Vincent. I'm not even going to go into everything he's done in his career. Um, he was just a year shy of 50 years in the business um, with his last acting gig being on the famed anthology show Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. Speaking of anthologies, uh, but it takes all kinds of critters 
to make Farmer Vincent's fritters. That was one of his <laughs> one of his catchphrases, and like you, you kind of see that on the uh, like a T-shirt slogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. A, a shit happens kind of a thing. Like one of those yeah. T-shirts that references a movie without like getting copyrighted. Like you know, for this one, you, you might not be able to put Motel Hell on the shirt, but you can yeah. put a fake logo for a restaurant where they serve the same meats that use that slogan. I can see that you know, on Teespring or Public or something like that. Teespring is exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. Like people make decent side hustles mm-hmm. out of like putting obscure references on T-shirts. I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm no different. I made a a, a Camp Packinac bicycle club or cycling mm-hmm. club, and I had a um, uh, Crazy Ralph with his little bicycle on it. Um, that might be my next venture. We'll, Camp we'll Packinac. What's, what's what movie is that from? Camp like- Packinac was from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. And crazy Ralph was the guy who rode the bicycle everywhere. Uh, You're all doomed that guy. And yeah, so he rode that bicycle. I said, fuck it. We're going to put a a bicycle club uh, with with him as the the mascot. But uh, Nancy Parsons plays the younger sister, uh, Ida. What a name. Like, listen, Ida fits this lady. Yeah, she's good. She's good. I liked her too. She was, she was a pretty fantastic actress in this. She was, uh, very charismatic, and you're like, you kind of don't want to like her, but it's hard to not like her. She's so earnest with all of her glee, her giddiness. <laughs> well, you know, she uh, is probably the third most or second most experienced actor in this film. Did, huh. did you recognize her from anything? Um, I could have sworn she was uh, one of the, the main girls from Porky's, right? Not only the main girls, or main girl she was the uh phys ed teacher and there she is in, in the flesh one of the most iconic scenes yeah let's say flesh too Whoa. oh yeah that, that this guy wants to use a glory hole and expose himself to the girls in the shower but miss ballbricker ballbricker i wonder if it was uh, oh yeah miss ballbricker was she got a good grip on that thing she got a great grip and this guy must be fully circumcised she, because there was no excess in, skin <laughs> time in maine going hunting for gooey ducks god damn it oh my god yeah nancy parsons also r.i.p by the way uh both uh Vincent and Ida have both passed away. Uh, she is uh, in the role Ms. Ballbricker in the Porky's franchise. If you don't remember, there's your refresher. Um, <laughs> but other than a cameo from Wolfman Jack, the uh, famed radio DJ, bar none, the biggest radio personality at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, very small role. Like two or three uh, parts, didn't he? Yeah, he, had, um, he was on the radio. His voice was on the radio, and of course, he might have been on TV as well because he played like a an evangelist. He was, yeah, he was the televangelist, I think, chilling in that chair asking for money. Exactly, and there was another televangelist, so I, I felt like there was like a theme here somewhere. Sure, uh, like maybe people doing what they're doing and uh, it, it going against their own morals, hmm. and you know, maybe wanting to repent for their sins, but they just can't do it, you know. This, um, is how another they, this small. Is how they do it. God, God wants us to kill drifters and make them into smoked sausage. That is a fact, it's, and it's, I'm it's, sure it's, it's logic to me. Somewhere, <laughs> it, Corinthians and God. If it's patient, not in Revelation, kill a drifter every Thursday or something like that. And by Tennessee pride, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, 
I, I didn't know anything in the Bible was a poem, but I just made it one. Uh, <laughs> but there was another small role from John Ratzenberger who played Cliff on Cheers. Really? Uh, he, yeah, he was in the band. Uh, he was, uh, it looked like he was the drummer uh, when, when they were playing their song oh. on the radio. He's just banging on the, he had the drumsticks. Oh, interesting. John Ratzenberger. Yeah, yeah, I think he was the guy with the choker, huh? He had the leather choker with the little hoop right here. Was when they buried Maybe. when they buried him up to his neck. I was like, that guy's wearing a thick like a daddy joke choker. I don't <laughs> daddy choker. I don't know if he's the one with the choker. Uh, I didn't catch that part, but uh-huh. I just remembered he's not wearing his mailman jacket, and that's how I recognize him. So yeah, yeah. he's got that killer mustache. But uh, other than those people, like this cast isn't anything to be amazed by. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's usually my bag though. Like you know, unless I was already invested. Like I prefer a cast like that in 2022. If I see Tom Cruise in anything, like I see Tom Cruise. Yeah. Sure. I don't see Pete Maverick or whoever the fuck he's playing in those mission impossible movies. Yeah. I mean, it has to be a really epic film for, to change my mind on that. Mm-hmm. And if, if Tom Cruise was in motel hell, I'd be distracted by the fact that I can't see his character. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get like that? Yeah, I, I kind of have the opposite in sense in the sense that there are characters that I really love to see pop up that are known for one character. Like when Paul, uh, um, Paul Rubens pull, pops up something, I'm like, oh, shit, there's Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, Pee Wee. <laughs> Pee Wee on screen. I can get down with Pee Wee, man. I, yeah. I, I mean, but there are people that are just like that. Sure. And but I'm with you don't you. see anybody but Pee Wee. If Rowan, if Rowan Atkinson jumps in on a film, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking, oh, fuck, there's Bean. What, yeah. What's he doing in a film, right? It was like when uh, when Andy uh, Andy Circus started like doing bigger things as a as a non motion capture actor, and he's now just he's uh, Nikola Tesla's assistant in the Prestige. And you're like, oh shit, is that Andy, is that Andy Circus? Is that Golem over there? Oh, Isn't he in one of the Batman flicks? Um, yeah, he's in the new Matt Reeves one. He plays Alfred Pennyworth. So the Batman, right? He plays, yeah, with, in the uh, Batman mm-hmm. with Bob Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Robbie yeah. P. <laughs> oh robbie p yeah well i'm not sure if you ever gotten to see it but alfred hitchcock had a twilight zone type show called alfred hitchcock presents mm-hmm. and i actually prefer it to the twilight zone even though the twilight zone is like one of my top 15 shows of all time okay. this movie is like reminiscent of an old uh, episode of alfred mm-hmm. hitchcock presents it's oh, called really? specialty of the house yeah in which a uh it's like a small restaurant with kind of exclusive membership mm-hmm. i guess occasionally gets served this or they they serve this rare exotic dish supposedly made out of lamb mm-hmm. um from uganda but you know the patrons there got addicted to it turns out it was really human meat so i immediately picked up on that when maybe i didn't draw the parallels sure but i said hey one of my favorite episodes of alfred hitchcock and this is kind of the same thing but that's really all I had to draw from. This was like a fresh watch, you know, the first time I saw it. Sure. Uh, but in, in the opening act, it seems like the the old man who runs the motel, uh, motel hell or motel hello. Yeah, motel uh, hello. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the bulbs in the O are flickering, so it looks like it says motel hell. I wasn't really sure at the beginning if he was the bad guy or if like because the I will say the one of the best things two very good things I'll say about this movie is it gives you just enough of the plot to get, keep you interested. Cause we, the first time you see the heads buried or the people buried up to their heads, you're like, wait a second, what? And then it does just, he know? Of, it cuts away and you're like, what? Yeah. Does he know? <laughs> 
wait a second. Somebody needs to tell this guy that there's some heads on this property. And then uh, and then you're like, why are they making those noises? I assume something was going on with them, but maybe it was like a supernatural thing and they're being transformed into a a head of lettuce or something. I don't know. And (laughs) and then the next time you see his like, well, yeah, you make those noises. Can you slash your vocal cords? Okay, give you a little bit more. And then um, you see the the guy with the pig head when the two shithead twins go into the smokehouse uh, one time, and you're like, "Who is this guy?" Is right, because third? the old man's in the he's out there tending to the the parents or whatever. Yes, was that Ida? I mean, at the time you just don't know. You just see this guy, and you keep thinking, "Oh God, something's gonna happen." Pig head guy's gonna come out and chop your head off and bury it in the in the garden. So there's enough of like a. Uh, breadcrumbs they leave you along the way to keep you satiated until you get to the actual like reveal and the third the third act but um i liked that and i also really liked the disgusting gurgling sound effects they were Listen, constant constant this gurgling. was an amsr a- asmr, ASMR. whatever the asmr yeah. uh lover's dream i watched Those it with girls. my headphones on but they uh, by accident i mean i wish i hadn't <laughs> Because I was yeah, you need to watch this one like oh. with on mute with subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just to just to be able to finish it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this fucker's out like bird hunting yeah. in the dark of night. So maybe he's bat hunting. I don't know. But it, it is before the sun comes up. Sure. And he witnesses the tiniest, the most insignificant motorcycle accident that puts both the driver and passenger out of commission. Oh, by the way, your friend Bo, he's dead. <laughs> and I buried his he ass. He fell off his bike and died. <laughs> and I, you know, I've seen toddlers run into each other harder than sure. this motorcycle hits the tree. Yeah. And our, our main character, $3 million. I, I guess our main protagonist, uh, she's introduced to us by this mini coma she's mm-hmm. been put into in, in that crash. And we don't even know what caused this wreck. The, the guy seemed to be driving really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like it's his you know, first time ever. Uh, I mean, he's driving straight. And then all of a sudden it's like, he's moving the handlebars. Like he's on a stationary bike at mm-hmm. gold's gym, you know, back yeah. and forth. Like he just forgot how to drive. And then Vincent, the old man's name, uh, he scoops up Terry. That's the girl. And he hauls her back to the motel. He presumably runs, uh, with his younger sister, Ida. And listen, I don't know what profession Ida, you know, has dedicated her life to. But I can tell you right now, it is not in the realm of healthcare. Because <laughs> when Vincent tells her to check on Terry in her incapacitated state, she does three things. She touches her forehead, takes her pulse, and then listens for a heartbeat and says she's seen enough. The girl's going to live. Yeah, she's going to live. She is going to live. And by the way, did you catch the uh, the lyrics to the song Ida's singing? When Vincent comes uh-huh. back home with Terry, no, no, no. What was it? No. So the song says something about uh, you're oh, eating I... out my heart and soul. Yes, 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 yes. There you're was something feasting about... on my better side. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I was, I was you off. She's screaming this whole time, and I got I I did get the cannibal vibe very quickly from the two of them. <laughs> it's it you know it's funny. It's not something that you can really put your nose on. You can't like write it down, but it's one of these things. that's almost like. Oh, that guy looks like a pedophile. You know, <laughs> how do I know? Trust me. I know. My gut tells me these people look like they eat humans. <laughs> oh, yeah. He looks like he would get a table for one at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, boy. 
Okay. Well, he does. But he what, does try to wife up that woman who's forty years his young, his junior. But he was not really with it until she was with it. Yeah. So that's a little funny. And yeah, like, who, who would blame him? Right. <laughs> I mean, she was a hammer back in the day. Mm-hmm. Probably still is. I like uh, that phrase. I've we, never heard. I've never heard hammer used as like a hot listen, babe. I let me it. tell you. Let me tell you. That is a staple of my shows, and I'm gonna tell you why really okay. quickly. My dad, my biological father, once referred to Sophia Loren on TV. Um, I believe we were watching Grumpy Old Men mm-hmm. Two, the second one that she was on. Grumpy Old Men. And yeah, yeah Grumpier Old Men. And he says, Is that uh Sophia Loren? And I'm like, Yeah, that that's I guess so. Yes, yeah, it's, it's her. And he says, Man. I don't know what she's going to want Walter Matthau because uh, a long time ago, that gal was a hammer. <laughs> a ever hammer. since, ever since. That's it. That's like, you know, God level. Sure. On, on attractiveness for, for, for a woman. And I don't, I don't say it like in um, like everyday life, but you know, mm. we're here in character. Right? Yeah. We're on absolutely. a show. We're on a show. We're on a show. <laughs> We're not disrespecting anybody, nor would we allow anyone to disrespect Sophia Loren. Hey, my girlfriend's a hammer. You know what? Your girlfriend's a hammer. Hell I don't yeah, even have dude. to see her. She's and I know. Show. Whole smoke show is what she yeah. is. A, a smoke <laughs> show hammer is what she is. Hammer. That's interesting. Where are you from, by the way? Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay. So Tennessee. I wonder if it's a Tennessee thing or if it's just your dad thing. Because either way, it's cool. A lot of shit was a, just a my dad thing. But he got it from somebody. Yeah, yeah. He he had to. He had to. But uh, what we know so far is that Vincent and Ida are running this motel, selling their homegrown meat out of the motel. Mm-hmm. And we know it's homegrown by what the two little twin girls see in the barn. Which are yeah. scared away. You know, nothing nefarious except for the music and the person in the barn with the pig mask. Besides that. And of course, yeah, well, besides that, there's that hidden door in the vines where he keeps his evil eight track. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 what do you listen to while you're hacking up bodies like that? I don't, you know what? That's a good question. Um, goodbye horses by Q Lazarus, probably. <laughs> God um, damn it. You got a, you got your uh, longtime girlfriend you're, you're with, right? Just oh, put, yeah. your, put yourself in that, in that situation. You get a phone call. We've abducted your beloved. Uh, bring me $10,000. And you just happen to have $10,000 and the, and the, you're going to go pay the ransom, get your, get your uh, beloved back. It's a 30 minute drive there. It's the middle of the night. Do you put music on or no? On oh drive. yeah. And it, yeah. And it's going to be like uh no easy way out from, uh, from Rocky. It's gonna be and, an anthem. Yeah. All windows are down. I'm like <laughs> running my hands through my hair and I'm like thinking about Apollo dying. I'm coming and, for you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And whoever's got her, like his ass is going to be wrecked because I, yeah. of that song. I Not made a. Of my powers. <laughs> it's funny that you have imbued the Apollo Creed's powers into you. <laughs> I mean, if he dies, he dies. Right? <laughs> I will break you. Uh, the uh, I made a special Spotify playlist just in, in the case that Brianna gets kidnapped and I have to go save her. It only maxes out oh, thirty yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, hopefully they don't take her too far. I know after thirty minutes, I, someone else's problem. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> where is she yeah. oh okay well, no okay so you keep her <laughs> <laughs> she's all yours the shipping charges are on you well you know uh, vincent and ida they live in a pretty lenient county 
one that allows you to bury a body before you've even, you know, sure. found that it's cold. Mm-hmm. And it's not even turning heads because the sheriff or deputy uh, confirms that. And oh, by the way, the sheriff deputy is Vincent Ida's little brother. It's a brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you can't really tell if he's in on everything yet. He seems innocent. He seems kind of silly. Um, he seems like he might have been bullied because Ida takes him down with a headlock, you know, and mm-hmm. holds him down to the bed. But if you watch the, the newer, he's definitely the Dewey of uh, Scream. He is perfectly the Dewey of Scream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like it, if you've watched like the newer continuities of the te- Texas Chainsaw films, you know, you can't really trust the sheriffs mm-hmm. uh, for fuck's sake. Don't get in the car with them at the end of the movie when you've escaped mm-hmm. because they'll just bring you back to the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Right. So remember when Vincent had that little sneaky hidden door behind the vines? Well, mm-hmm. it turns out he's housing some crazy shit that we've already talked about. Like there'd been an inspector, I guess, a regulations guy who came to do like some spot checks. Well, he uncovers the whole operation, Pete. He got a little uh, nosy, Bob. Yeah, he got a little nosy. And Vincent and Ida have a garden, but instead of heads of lettuce or cabbage, they got humans buried up to their heads, sedated, being fattened up for the slaughter. Yeah, I don't know why, like, why bury them? Is, are they, like, dry aging them? Are they... Are they trying to? Like, I don't. I don't know. It's like keeping a snail in a freshwater tank before you eat it. You get all the gunk out of it. Perfect question without an answer in the world to be found. <laughs> no one knows. Because, yeah, humans don't have roots. Okay, so unless you're infusing that soil with Queen Helene uh, cocoa butter, <laughs> like you're not doing anything for their skin. So what the actual fuck is going on with a burial? Maybe it's just ho- easier to hold them down. Yeah, it's, uh, it did yeah, make for could... a really cool kill later on, though. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. I th- I liked the, the whole Willy Wonka in the tunnel thing that he he built this mobile device to fuck with these guys' heads right before he killed them, and his his reasoning was that God would want him to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I'm gonna kill anybody, at least put them out of their like mind first. Like fuck fuck their head up real bad. Fuck them up real good. Uh, can basically uh, convince yourself that God's telling you to do it. And it makes me want to go back. God, if I ever wanted to come back, um, then I guess it would be time to, to check out the dialogue from that, uh, from the preachers that are on TV Mm. and see what they're talking about. And uh, one on the, the maybe there's some double talk there, you know? Could be, yeah. The one on the TV, he's just talking about tithing. He's like, "Yeah, give up. You'll uh, you won't live a richer life until you start giving to the church." And you're like, "Okay, yeah." Uh, the other one, I I didn't quite I didn't quite get anything from. It just seemed like standard, is psycho sort of and Jimmy Swaggerdish type shit, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, later on, we find that you know Bruce, the uh, the hapless sheriff deputy, you know he's 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 getting pushy with Terry. They're going to check out this flick which was um i had the name of the flick in my head but they're having to watch it through binoculars for whatever reason yeah but you know terry's being as dry as saharan pussy okay and like the most likable characters in this entire fucking movie have to be that kinky couple that came in the middle of the night Uh and we got so little time with them yeah uh the, the guy in the little rascal's hat and his hot girlfriend i don't know how you have comic relief in a film that's already comic relief but it worked yeah they're um, the german couple from uh super troopers all, all porned out ready to go 
Oh yeah, I mean, like, walks up just hard as a brick, and like <laughs> Elaine Joyce was the girl, and she was in a lot of stage and TV roles, always uh, kind of typecast. Uh, and Dick Curtis was uh, he was in a lot of comedies and only had one horror role, and it was mm. Motel Hell. No shit! Wow, uh, interesting. Yeah, it was a very interesting couple of actors that you know, if you ever did a deep dive, they'd be fun to look at. But you know, another scene that could have been longer was the one that um, I like to call the. Uh, the white t-shirt in the lake scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> no particular reason, but what we got from that scene is a sign that there's dissension and jealousy among the ranks. Like Ida uh, invites Terry to go tubing. Um, like you do. And they're having like a ball do. like in a stationary tubing day. Yeah. When yeah. I, you I think would think you, you want running water for that. Yeah, it's either behind a boat or floating down a river. You know, you're not just like out in the pond one position ah yes something you're in the same you're in the same shape you were yeah before you got in the water now you're just wet yeah now you're just wet and you're also um sitting on hot black rubber hot black (laughs) rubber but you know what we did get was that wet t-shirt and that is literally the only reason they filmed this scene she was she was not very shy of uh, showing off what God gave her. Not at all. Like she had those things ready, like pointing at, <laughs> like like a sundial. Yeah, there is a there was a scene shortly after this when, uh, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, uh, she she's in bed. She goes back home. Uh, uh, Vincent saves her, and that's when oh, her yeah. her love for Vincent comes, and she he takes her back to bed. And Ida says, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I tried to kill you. Can you forgive me?" And she goes, "Of course I can." And that's the end of that. So no more talk about what that time that Ida tried to kill. Uh, what's her name again? Terry. Uh, Terry. Terry. Yeah. yeah and, Terry. Uh, and then um, Vincent. She, she, uh, Terry leaves the room. No, Ida leaves the room, and Terry and Vincent are there on bed, and she's just one one breast out one just under the sheets just having a casual conversation with this man who up until this point you assume she has thinks of a father figure until she starts like sucking on his thumb or something and she's like come kiss me vincent and he kisses her on the forehead like a like a an innocent like uh, a grandfather yes like a grandfather and she goes no no <laughs> no 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 yeah my feet are going behind my ears old man and you're gonna get with it but it almost feels like it's it's a stockholm syndrome kind of a thing yeah i was um, thinking that too yeah but like usually it's involuntary captors that mm-hmm. this happens you know happens to or happens with um but you know ida and bruce have their own little sort of jealousy because you know bruce likes terry ida doesn't want i guess anybody having her brother i don't think there's anything romantic there even though i would not be surprised whatsoever <laughs> but you know the the, the total runtime in this film was in the neighborhood of an hour 45 yeah. and a couple of scenes removed might have taken it down to 90 minutes and up to this point the movie had moved right along like once the romantic stuff stopped dragging around though, um, because it did drag the film down a little bit, um, Bruce puts two and two together and face it. He's not going to do it to stop, uh, you know, a mass murderer. He's doing all this because Terry has those epic titties and you know, it kind of checks out. Mm-hmm. Of course you're going to do that. And she's a lot closer than 30 minutes. He didn't even need a soundtrack to get there. But Bruce comes to the rescue while Ida's got a uh, mailman Cliff in a in a pot of boiling water like it's a Bugs Bunny episode. Uh, just waiting for her to start cutting the carrots into the pot, you know? 
Yeah. And the people buried in the garden, they're freed. Um, they've been hypnotized, like you said, by the that magic uh, psychedelic machine. Yeah. Vincent put in front of them. Um, and, you know, a big piece of info there. I, I don't know what was going on, but they basically storm the farm. Uh, they kill Ida, you know, presumably, if you know, we don't really see a definitive death. Um, but then there comes that epic scene um, that made the covers of Fangoria magazine while uh, Bruce and Vincent have this epic battle that, you know, chainsaw iconic chainsaw. visual, I love iconic it. visual, Pete, yeah. uh, Vincent donning the, the pig's head. Uh, they're dueling chainsaws, or he's dueling chainsaws with Bruce. Uh, it reaches a, a bloody ending, resulting in Bruce saving Terry from being sawed in half. And Vincent's final words uh, present a gift to Bruce and Terry, you know, leaving the motel to them and confessing with the best line of the film. I'm sure you remember what it was. Yeah, He says, I'm the biggest hypocrite of them all. I use preservatives. <laughs> God damn it. That's such a heartbreaker. <laughs> I'm more disappointed in him for using preservatives because he could have done that with any animal mm -hmm. could have done that with any animal. He wanted the human fresh meat. Oh, that's why they wanted to keep them fresh, uh, you know, in, in the oh, ground. So yeah. nothing keeps, nothing keeps you fresh quite like being in the packed in know, soil in mother earth. You <laughs> yeah. Know? But do you think there's an actual message here in this film? Like maybe about the, the FDA and what they might be doing to our food. I don't know, man. I mean, I'd like to think that most things have a message in them. I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot there to, to glean from this. So it's like, instead of there being more than meets the eye, there's less than meets the eye. Yeah, I think I think this is about as surface level as you get. It's a fun, kind of campy slasher that uh, doesn't have a whole lot of slashes in it, doesn't have a whole lot of laughs in it, but the ones that you do get are pretty entertaining, and it all culminates to a great chainsaw, uh, chainsaw v. chainsaw fight, which is, if you're ever... I do a lot of like trivia. I love trivia and I love, love movie trivia too. This would be a good movie to reference for, um, you know, an obscure, you know, like name two movies or three movies that have two chainsaws in the same scene or whatever, you know, uh, this, this would be a great one. Well, you know, it, my only critique because it, it gave us what it meant to give us. Mm -hmm. I think uh, maybe not what the original screenplay had, but the director's vision gave us what we got. And if it was 10 minutes, 15 minutes shorter it would be a perfectly fine slash sure. you know slasher type uh -huh. hillbilly horror to call this a hillbilly horror probably is more <laughs> insulting to hillbillies sure yeah th than anything else but man let's rate this thing okay on uh on slasher sports cinema we use the slasher scale the slashes scale i honestly give this one six and a half slashes which is a very watchable film is it out of 10? Is there a 10? It's out of 10. Hmm. Oh, gosh. How many slashes out of 10 for Motel Hell? Um, I'd probably put this at like a, like a, I'd probably put it somewhere around like the five, five and a half mark. Um, entertaining I enough. Respect that. Yeah. Like the score, there was times when I liked the score and there were other times where it just seemed kind of out of place and the characters were charismatic enough. Um, there was a, it ended with a really nice, uh, a final finale. And although they didn't really set up, um, Bruce as being like a hero, he could just kind of like seem like the butt of the joke and almost maybe one of the bad guys. Cause he's corroborating their story. They don't do a whole lot of setup, but he comes through in the end and he, he, he makes a pretty good hero at the end. 
um, as goofy as he is. So yeah, I'd say it's a it's it is a recommend if you are know what you're getting into. I think it's worth a watch. Well, like we said before the podcast began recording, bad horror films are better than bad films from any other genre. Mm-hmm. And if, if if I can recommend somebody this film and they get a laugh out of it, then what happened is exactly what I wanted to happen. So, yeah. Pete, before I let you go, man, tell us about your social medias, where to find your work, uh, where to listen to your work. We, we want to get turn people on to uh, your your projects and sure. Absolutely. So the probably the easiest way to get a like to listen to the show is just uh, whatever podcast player you're into Spotify, iTunes, Podchaser, Podbean, Ghana, all these weird ones that you know and the ones that you've never even heard of before. Just search for middle class film class. It's the name of the show. It's a black and white logo. It's the three of our heads, me, Joseph and Tyler. And um, click subscribe because we are very much into our our fans, and our listeners. So if you listen week after week and you, you're p- picking up on this and that, we all have very var- 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 uh, varied tastes too. So what I like, Tyler doesn't like. What Tyler likes, I may, Joseph may not like. So once you start getting kind of getting involved with who you align with along the show, you, we give recommendations every single week to movies that we love and movies that we hate. So it's a it's a it's a good service to the people. Um, as far as like Twitter, I'm on Twitter. I'm at the real Pete, but Pete is spelled with four E's in the middle. P E E E E T E. And uh, you can look us up. Our, our uh, show has a Facebook page, facebook.com slash MCFC podcast. Guys, all these links, not to worry. That was a mouthful. They're going to be in the, the bio to this episode, the episode description. Uh, going to hyperlink all that in there for you to easy click. Find my guy, Pete. Appreciate First of that. all, man. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to come and chill out with me, talk about this ridiculous movie. Uh, a lot of things you could be doing on a Thursday night, and one of them is not hanging out with me. So I thank you. I appreciate that. I know that. Thank you for asking me on, and it's always, always a pleasure to come on. And I thank you for exposing me to this movie, which I probably should have watched a long time ago. <laughs> exposing is such a funny, a funny way to describe I've, it. I've been tainted. You've been tainted by this movie. Now it will never wash off. <laughs> so, guys, we hope you enjoyed this show. Go watch Motel Hell if you haven't already. Um, it's on Tubi for free. Uh, but if you don't do anything else, by all means, go forth and drink the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children. <laughs>